from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. That's right. I'll just Google every word that I need to say because I can't remember anything these days. That works. I'll be like, who was in it? Was it David Bowie? Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I believe he goes by David Jones. That's right. That's right. Okay, this is our last um, kick at the camp for musicals, which is good. I think I'm over it. Only because I think our last two have been what I would call musical light. And maybe (laughs) not musicals, but movies that contain a song or two. (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree um, <laughs> that <laughs> that as as we did this, we went from very, very musical, musical movies to, yeah, just movies that <laughs> happen to feature singing. Movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I guess that means that we burned out on it. We did it as long as we should have. But welcome to another episode of Life to Labyrinth podcast. My name is Bryn. I'm Angie. And as we alluded to in our last episode and have begun, we're celebrating our anniversary for the podcast. Unfortunately, without Steven, unfortunately, without Rob, unfortunately, without Ben, all of the people that have helped us make this podcast what it's been over the last year. But we are doing. But you are still here and you have been here since day one and you have done all the editing and you have organized a lot of it. So fucking well done. Thank you. I just Thank show up you. with stupid notes and forget what I'm saying. You really put in the work. Well, I do I do some work. <laughs> I mean, you do the bulk of it. I, I rely on you for a great deal of the, the content while I say little in a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I appreciate you joining me. And I appreciate you joining Stephen and I when he was still here. And bringing Rob on board, bringing your brother on board, making your parents longtime listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm hoping to get some new fun co-hosts in the future who are wanting to join. So, yeah, that's exciting. It's always nice to hear what other people uh, think of certain music and what bands they want to they want to pitch. So, after today, we're getting back to the music. To the music. That's right. This is our little corner of the artistic community, and the more members of that community we can drag on here, as long as they have a half-decent mic, yep. we will do it. We'll try and keep the content interesting and have new people and new taste in music and new taste in art and all kinds of stuff, and just keep going, because we're having a lot of fun. Having a lot of fun. And we got to keep we got to keep the content coming, we got to keep the hosts of the show coming, because I suspect before long you're going to be taking a hiatus for a little while this is possible this is possible in the new year should we announce it on the podcast why now that you've announced it blog in your blog i have a i have a little wiener in my belly i guess that's what the announcement is (laughs) i have an alien in my uterus and it is due to come out at the end of january so maybe february probably a shit show from what i hear so but I would like to keep going for as long as I can because I really enjoy uh, on weeks when I'm a little bit more focused, kind of doing deep dives like like this week. Yeah, because I'm excited. What, what 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 were we doing this week, Bryn? Uh, yeah, in in much my normal way of getting to the point, I've gotten there stumbling as far away from it as I could <laughs> <laughs> conversationally. We are, well, we watched and listened to the soundtrack of the movie Labyrinth, which most people call The Labyrinth, but I think it's technically Labyrinth. It's from 1986. It is a Jim Henson production and features David Bowie, the 39-year-old David Bowie and a 14-year-old Jennifer Connelly. This wouldn't get made now. No. (laughs) But... It's a cult classic, David Bowie in his extremely revealing pants, juggling his balls. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to look at any other part of this costume with his 
penis hammock out all the time. Just right. Yeah. Not even a cock piece. Just just full banana. Just. And <laughs> just like not pants, but bag baggy leggings, baggings, yeah. if you will. Um. You looked like a dad at Home Depot on a Saturday morning, just <laughs> bibbity bibbity down the aisles. And I enjoyed it, and I don't want to—I don't want to give myself away here too much. But I did enjoy that you could tell in some scenes that it was a body stand-in, because David Bowie had quite a considerable package that were highlighted by those pants. And in a few scenes, it was a little more Ken doll. Oh, interesting. I wasn't paying enough attention because oh, apparently, apparently, I, I just sat there watching David Bowie's dick for an hour. And yeah, hour. well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I was kind of researching, like I kept googling things at the same time, and I wasn't, I wasn't full on because also there were puppets and shit, and uh, <clears throat> I wasn't totally focused. I wasn't totally focused, but that is funny. <laughs> David Bowie's penis standing. Um, no, I think you should. I think it's great. A smaller penis. <laughs> it's great. I got to bring the content that Steven otherwise would have brought. <laughs> <laughs> Not here to defend himself. Sucker. <laughs> See, Rob would have been such an easier answer, but I'm going. I'm going, Steven. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, I don't know. I remember watching this movie when I was really little. I mean, it came out in 86. You and I would have been like two years old. I remember seeing it at friends of my parents. We watched it and it, I didn't even know what to make of it. I hadn't even seen a whole lot of movies by that point. I was just completely blown away. And from that moment on, I always remembered the helping hands. That was always the scene that stuck with me the most. I thought it was the most creative scene. Mm -hmm. But I think as a child, I thought it was the most like horrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, and then the music of it. Again, doesn't really seem to have anything to do with the plot. There's that whole dance magic dance, which is like the, th the theme song. And then there's Underground, which is apparently also part of like, I don't know. It just seems like David Bowie wrote songs. And I think that's really a fun, disjointed aspect of the way these movies were made in the 80s, where they get like a rock star to come in, be the star and write the music for it. But that loosely has nothing between... to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, the difference between getting like a, a, a film composer versus a rock star is that a film composer will kind of stick to the theme and a rock star is, is an, ex, an eccentric artist that just does whatever they want. But it works as a package even though it's completely bad shit. A <laughs> package. David Bowie. Um, <laughs> I had to... I'm really embarrassed. I've I've never seen it. Wow. I it's one of those movies that in my head I had selected as seen um, <laughs> because it has been referenced so many times, and I was like, yeah, 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 David Bowie, uh, a, a, a maze, yeah, 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 I'm a, I got it. I have not seen this. I had never seen it. So. Yeah, I wish I'd been paying more attention, but I literally was like, oh my god, this is going to be a tough slog. But what I did get from it is, A, I had no idea there were puppets in it. Like, I didn't know this was a Jim Henson joint. Mm. Also didn't realize it didn't do well in the theaters, which I thought was really interesting. Kind of bombed, kind of made half of what it cost. Wow, I didn't know that. And then turned into a cult classic kind of later. Hmm. Very awkward to have a young Jennifer Connelly in some interesting scenes with David Bowie, who we'll get into, and I rabbit holed really hard on this week. Hard on. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> We're on a roll now. Oh boy. Um, Maybe a drinking game episode. How many times yeah. do they talk about David Bowie's genitalia? Yep, yep. Go back, start from the beginning. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, uh, David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, she is very young. There are some scenes that are a little bit uncomfortable. There's a little couple lyrics that are also like, I wish there wasn't a song called Within You when you're looking uh. at baby Jennifer Connelly with your beggings on. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well said. Be, also, because the more I read about David Bowie, uh, like well known slept with some 15 year olds in his yeah. uh, rock star days so 
it like kind of triggered a little thing for me. And then when I read more about it, I was like, yeah, that's a big trigger. That's a full-time big trigger. Yeah, he kind of made his way through the 70s with the same way as a lot of those people did. Jimmy Page and Mick Jagger. Kind of like sleeping with exceptionally young teenagers. And history kind of just decided to not remember. We all know, but nobody's going to really hold any of these people accountable. It's true. It's wild. Like, I I have two minds about it. I'm like... It would have been such a great time to be alive, not for the underage stuff, but for the constant partying. It just mm. sounds like a couple years on coke and touring and partying would be a fucking party. But at the same time, if this was happening these days, these guys would be fucking canceled. Like, like a 10 minutes ago. We record this ago. as R. Kelly has recently been found guilty on yeah, that charge. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy so hard. He's, uh... Speaking of people we'll never, we'll never review on the podcast. Yeah, just a full-time piece of shit. Still took 20 years, though, which I think oh. speaks to... Yeah. Speaks to the way that these people are protected. But I don't want to get too bogged down in it, but yeah, David Bowie, it's sort of like, we all remember he's great. Just don't Google him. Yeah, don't get... Yeah, it's, uh... It doesn't take, and you don't have to deep dive to find it. It's just there. And it's just one of those things that I think people really concentrate on the music and know a brief story of all these rock stars, but don't necessarily get into it. It's the same when I really started deep diving Rolling Stones. Like this is the kind, like Rolling Stones and David Bowie to me are, is music that you can hear at the grocery store or if you're stuck in an elevator. But they were like, being charged for heroin use and David Bowie was having crazy orgies and with boys and girls and just like, it's so funny that these have become like lame, not lame, but like so overplayed and so mainstream and so whatever that that crazy edge that they had that our parents know about, like, yeah. oh, we were doing heroin all the time. like. We had to hole up on Exile and Main Street because the government was after us and we were trying to keep Keith Richards alive because he kept overdosing on heroin. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to uh, look very deep on YouTube to find entire interviews where it is very obviously David Bowie is just completely coked out of his mind. And uh, for a long period of time. And yeah, totally. I just... I just, before we go any further, I need to tell you what I wrote down explaining what David Bowie looked like in this movie. Please do. Here's my statement. David Bowie looks like an old British tired smoker who owns a caravan and their name is Karen and they cut their own hair. <laughs> Amazing. Doesn't he look <laughs> tired? He does. I, I watched an interview with him. I, well, I watched this like behind the scenes making of the Labyrinth thing. There's apparently a newer one but this one I think came out in the 80s because it like features David Bowie like in his makeup and stuff so but he said that he took the character as Jareth didn't want to be the Goblin King it was sort of thrust upon him so he just looked like he'd smacked a, smacked a pack smoked a pack and was drinking yeah. his way through life because he was depressed about his character because I would buy that maybe or <laughs> or the character was uh, was depressed I'm not sure yeah he he looks tired, and I, I think that's just the way Bowie looked. But they also did that weird eye makeup thing with him where they, like, shaved half his eyebrow. Right. And then gave him really, really dark eyes that had that sort of, like, streak up his forehead. I just kept thinking he looked like an old woman. <laughs> Which he kind of <laughs> always did. Uh, same a little bit with Mick Jagger. But anyways, <laughs> now they look like old women. As you age, you turn into, anyways, it's true. Just ask Steven Tyler. Oh, gosh. I mean, he didn't have to age very much for that to happen. He's... <laughs> but yes, 100% now, yes. 100% female. Maybe he's taking hormones that make him feel good or something. Yeah, who knows? Keep that voice voice a little higher. Mm -hmm. um, I think now that you sort of talk about it, I think David Bowie's Jareth character kind of reminds me of, like, the guy from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Riff Raff? Is it Riff Raff, the tall blonde? And he just mm -hmm, kind of looks like mm -hmm. him, but... No, Riff Raff is the guy that opens the door, and he's like, welcome, and he's got a hunchback. <laughs> who's the guy Who's the guy that was played by the, the like, writer of Rocky Horror? He's, like, tall and blonde, and he's, like, the butler. That's Riff Raff! 
Yeah. I don't think he wrote it. Oh, Riff Raff is the name of an American uh, rapper, in case you're wondering. It hadn't come up. But Riff Raff sort of looks like what Jareth would have been maybe like 20 years later, like if he escaped the labyrinth mm-hmm. and went and lived with Frankenfurter. <laughs> yeah. Or Frankenfurter captured him. Super funny because someone did a quiz this week to say, what Rocky Horror Picture Show character are you? And I took it and I got Riff Raff. And my friend was like, oh my God, <laughs> Richard O'Brien's the best. And of course, I'd never heard Richard. I've never heard his name before. And I was, so that's funny that it's come up twice in one week. Riff Raff, obviously, I love you. <laughs> a musical that maybe we'll hit on the next time round with music. Yeah, I'm sorry that I missed the two most um, important musicals in the world, which are Rocky Horror Picture Sorry, the three, three, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and Sound of Music. I, I just thought they were so obvious. But then we got into this total, like, fucking U-turn of Willy Wonka. That was a mistake. Anyways, we're here. Here we are. Last one. Well, we got who knows how many of these we're going to do. We can do musicals again. We can do those. I'll say that by probably having watched, by the time we watched three musicals, I don't know if I had Sound of Music in me. Yeah. I was going to say, podcasting is not a terribly visual medium, but I noticed that you apparently have gotten a haircut. I did. It, I hadn't had a haircut in a year and a half. And I just told her to chop it off because I'll, pro- I'll probably never be back. And it was <laughs> a place called... Yeah. And it was a place I'd never been to and it had spa in the title. And the second I walked in, I said, spa is very generous for this place. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I never spa's go out doing a lot years. of work, and <laughs> the word "spa" is doing a lot of work in that. Sense. Yes, yes, it had no, it didn't belong there at all. Well, it looks very nice. Not Thank that your you. exceptionally long hair didn't, but I'm sure that must be. I feel uh, like you can never tell what it's like, anyways, because I have giant headphones on. But your hair is not like lower than the your camera. <laughs> In this case, oh, so. yes, yes, yes. Noticeable. Yes, no, Thank not, you for noticing. Not, I never notice that on people. It's terrible. Nobody ever notices when I get a haircut. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I don't notice it's when okay. people with obvious um, haircuts happen, so it's uh, don't take it personally, everyone. <laughs> and she got a haircut, and she's knocked up. Like, just congratulations oh, all around. Fucking friend. wild time this pandemic <laughs> has been. A wild time. You're wondering how Angie spent her pandemic. Yeah. Now you know. The last five months feeling like absolute shit. Hooray. Yes. Can I just before, I know we're on the sidetrack, but um, the only thing I have ever known about David Bowie, I have learned through Velvet Goldmine. <laughs> and that was supposed to be a biopic. Mm-hmm. And he pulled last minute. He pulled it. <laughs> Drink. He pulled all the rights to music and whatever because he was, I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning was, but I love that movie. I love Jonathan Reese Myers. I adore Ewan McGregor. Everyone knows that. I'm considering naming my baby Ewan. I would like the middle name McGregor. I will not get it. I, uh, Ewan no McGregor. Comment. Ewan McGregor. A little Ewan. I... <laughs> Anyways, I'm fighting for it. Not to say anything about people's names for their baby choices, just... Sounds great. I know. Whatever. <laughs> Baby, you win. Uh, Mom's like, you know, no one's going to be able to say that name. I'm like, no one can say my last name. Anyways. People are always calling me Brian, and I only have four letters in my name. Yeah. Like, there's no right way to go. I know. There's no right say, way. People say what, like, Ewan? Anyways, I think people should know by now because Ewan McGregor exists in the world. Potentially. Velvet Goldmine. Mm-hmm. Which is a really, like, I guess a loose biopic on David Bowie and... Ewan McGregor plays Kurt Wilde, who is a cross between Iggy Pop and Lou Reed. And I feel like I picked up a lot of what I knew about Bowie from this movie, which is apparently loose, and I didn't really know anything about Bowie, but I really didn't know anything about Bowie. So I'm really glad we watched this because I did get into a hundred different podcasts about him. And um, it's been a revolutionary two weeks for me. All right. I want to hear all about what you learned about David Bowie. I'll just preface with Labyrinth is how I was originally introduced to Bowie, and it's probably the only Bowie I knew for a long, long, long time. 
because my parents didn't listen to David Bowie at all. Me neither. A hundred percent. My parents didn't listen to Bowie. Yeah. And I didn't really know anyone that did, but David Bowie was just this sort of like uh, enigma, which I think was his whole deal anyway, where he was just like a cultural figure. And I knew that he did music and I knew that he was in this movie and I knew that he was Ziggy Stardust, although I'd never listened to Ziggy Stardust. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what that concept meant. Like I didn't, I just thought it was an album name, but I didn't realize it was like a persona. The character and the whole thing. It'd be fun to do Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. I haven't listened to that whole album. It's it's sort of on my bucket list of things to listen to. But I didn't really know him. I I know that he like worked with John Lennon and it's just sort of like, he was just like a famous musician. It's just sort of like, I know Bernie, like, or what is it? Bernie Mann. (laughs) Do you know Bernie Mack? Apparently I don't know. Apparently I don't know. (laughs) You're turning Barry, into me. I know this Barry obvious Manilow. person. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. It's like, I know who Barry Manilow is, yeah. but aside from Copacabana, 100%. I could not tell you another Barry Manilow song. No idea, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of low. I'm sorry. Is that what but, it's called? Uh, anyway, being a Barry, yeah, Manilow fanalo. Oh, my God. So, what did you learn about David Bowie? Um, are we done talking about Labyrinth or we'll just come back to it? Uh, I just wanted to say Let's something. Let's talk about about the songs as we go through. Like, Okay. I was just going to say, I wasn't interested in the music of the movie at all. I thought these could all be in an elevator and I'd be irritated I was stuck in the elevator. Um, but I listened to it a couple more times and I now love Dance Magic Dance. And I think the whole reason they had that song was so that they could rhyme the hoodoo voodoo is that that song where he's like hoodoo voodoo you do and they do it like four times and i'm like that is the whole reason they made that song so they could rhyme that over and over and then one of his other songs sounded exactly like uh phantom of the opera to me and then another one sounded like one of those last songs on the grease album where you're just like oh my god this is a filler song (laughs) but that's what i've always associated with david bowie is kind of that like very intense 80s feel which kind of i like we've talked before gets my back up a little gets me a little cringe um and i do find the music is like and as you said it came out in 86 it is so 1986 music it's like everyone in my head dancing to these songs are wearing like purple unitards and have giant hair it's uh yeah yeah anyways the music didn't really stick with me except for that one song and there's also way less music in it than i thought me too having now watched it with the music in mind i didn't realize there wasn't that many songs the one that always stuck with me for years and i quite often sang it to renee as a joke was the within you song but the only the the only part i could remember was when he says your eyes can be so cruel Just like I can be so cruel. All I could remember, and I, I've, for s- almost 17 years, I've randomly just sung it at Renee. That is super And funny. so, that's the, when I think of Labyrinth, I usually just think, your eyes can be so cruel. That's the one I think sounds like Phantom of the Opera. Okay. I haven't seen Phantom of the Opera, other than that ding, 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 Which is a Pink Floyd song, but we'll... Oh. That's a... That's a whole rabbit hole that I won't go down. I love Phantom of the Opera. Listen to the song Echoes by Pink Floyd. Um, I found a tweet when I was on the hunt for trying to figure out what keyboards were used in this movie soundtrack. <laughs> okay. Um, I came across a tweet by someone called Ad Daft Limmy, who describes it as, The music in Labyrinth sounds like it was all done on one keyboard. All the presets. <laughs> it does all kind of sound the same. Yeah, and then the channel, the the string of the of the uh, the tweet is like people are like, yeah, all on one finger. Closest I got was that it at least might feature a Yamaha DX7, but I couldn't find any confirmation of that. When I looked up, everything I looked up came back with just like six different personnel on the record, all just attributed to keyboards. Okay. There's there's a lot of people. Now I did look up Labyrinth and. Uh, the Bowie Bible or BowieBible.com. 
I don't know if you made it there on your travels. No. But can I just say the the title within you reminded me so much of, have you seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Years ago. Russell Brand's character is a famous pop star and sings the song yep. Inside of You. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be inside of you. Anyways, when I was like listening to the within you and it was kind of a weird thing, I uh, kept thinking about that. But take me to the Bowie Bible. So the Bowie Bible lists the <clears throat> Labyrinth soundtrack published January, or no, this article was published in <laughs> January 11th, 2017. Oh my god. Last updated the 21st of May 2021, which is a lot more recent than wow. I would have expected. But I guess it's the, this is the 35th anniversary of Labyrinth. Oh, we and hit a lot of anniversaries. Like a theatrical re-release and stuff. I haven't actually found out if that's coming to my city or not. But I also don't have a whole lot of interest in going to the movie theater. Same. But, I know. Same. Yeah. Especially in your so, area. Shit zone. Yeah. Yeah. That whole best summer ever thing kind of really yeah. didn't work out so <laughs> Um. So on this album, they have David Bowie vocals, Robbie Buchanan, keyboard synthesizer and programming, which tells you everything you need to know about the 80s. <laughs> somebody yes. got somebody got a musical credit for programming Amazing. no bongos that I noticed though that is still my oh, man. that's me on bongos Dan Huff and Ray Russell guitar, Will Lee bass guitar backing vocals Matthew uh, Seligman and Paul Westwood also bass guitar that's three bass guitars so far 80s <laughs> again an Another another very 80s musical tribute, Steve Ferrone drums, drum effects. Oh my god. <laughs> also, Neil uh, Conti, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, and Harold Fisher, also drums. Richard T, piano and Hammond organ. Nick uh, Pletus, again, apologies if you ever hear this and I <laughs> pronounced your name wrong. Or if you're a big Nick Pletus fan and you're like, how dare you, it's Pletus. <laughs> Platas, uh, David Lawson, uh, and Brian Gascione, Trevor Jones, keyboards, more keyboards, Bob Gay, saxophone, again, 80s. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> when are we I also to? wrote down when describing the music, Mario Castle music. Yes. For 13 o'clock, because it just came on right now, and I'm like, yes, I've just got into the Mario Castle. Yeah. I'm listening to the Goblin goblin Battle, and yeah. It's like, oh, boss fight. <laughs> it's 100% inspired by Mario. <laughs> so I'm about two thirds of the way through the personnel on this record. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> Uh, if you are also on this record and you're listening and we haven't attributed you, just understand that obviously this was a team effort. And for the sake of time and our listeners, I'm not going to rattle off the entire like 30 student classroom of people. But it's a huge production, obviously it sounds like. Got my pen set. Well, a lot of these people are background. I think most of the people that I've missed at this point are just the background singers. Oh, okay. Because okay, okay. David Bowie does like a large background audience or background Oh, hilarious. It, group of people. Watching this movie just made me want to watch Alice in Wonderland so bad. And then Especially I read it was... That, like weird old ballroom scene. And then I read it was one of the inspirations and I was like, yeah. Nailed it. Was Alice in Wonderland one of the books they show at the beginning? Oh, I don't know. I kind of, I paused and took a look. Oh, Where the Wild Things Was by Maurice Sendak. And they said that was also an inspiration, which made perfect sense to me. I love that, Where the Wild Things Are. Yeah. That was a book at the beginning. I also just want to do a quick shout out to Jennifer Connelly doing this whole movie in a vest. Everyone knows I love vests. I will <laughs> love vests till the day I die. I will wear a vest. I wore a vest to the grocery store tonight. I like a socially acceptable vest, not an 80s vest. But she did the whole adventure of the labyrinth in a fucking hideous 80s vest. And I was really excited about it. Sorry, that was my vest uh, PSA. Oh no, it's all good. I mean, I'm not a person who's, I'm not a vest wearer. I don't ever find my core cold, but my arms hot. Mm. Usually I feel quite the opposite. So if anything, I just need sleeves. Oh no, I overheat. I just like, actually it's 
It's also great for chubby girls because it kind of covers the worst part. And then you're like, oh, my arms are so cute. And you don't <laughs> see what's going on here. Right. And it has pockets. Anyways. Okay. All good things. I'm going to see. I, I just want to open it. This is going to be an edit, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm going to. I want to find the books on that bookshelf. Fun fact, the labyrinth is not one of the books on the bookshelf. Oh, funny. Um, but... I'm turning my page of notes, but the last note on this page says too much Bowie penis gush. <laughs> How many is that? Three. All right, here we go. The little the scene. Okay, where the wild things are, that one's obvious. There's two books that are sort of laying beside it, which I can't see. Then they've got that like marble thing, which is that marble game, which is sort of like a labyrinth, even though a labyrinth is technically a circle. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The, yes, we had one of those. So did we. Um, but yeah, a labyrinth is technically game. a circle, right? So dumb. Again, but we again the '80s. This is how we had to entertain ourselves. This is why. This is why us like elder millennials are such like boring people. Because we were trying not to get the marble in the hole for a long time. That's right. Even though it always went in the hole, because it was a fucking hole. Yeah. Uh, so there's a... The Wizard of Oz, definitely. There's something in front of the Wizard of Oz, which I can't see. So they also mentioned that was a huge inspiration. There's a book here by... And all you can see is the author. It's Sendak. Yeah, Maurice Sendak. And there's another... That's Wild Things. And there's another... Are. Another copy of Wild. So that's two Wild Things. Or another Sendak book. And then there's somebody, um, Hans Anderson. Oh, Hans Christian Anderson. And then, looks, and then um, it looks like the first word of the book title is his. And then there's a book of Grimm's fairy tales. Then there's a separate book of Snow White and Seven Dwarfs. And then there's a book at the after that that I can't, I can't make out. But those are the books. And I can't on an easy. I'm not sure what to Google to find it because I tried Googling the Labyrinth bookshelf and it didn't bring it up. Um, Hans Christian Andersen does, um, like, fairy tales. I think he wrote mm -hmm. The Little Mermaid. That sounds right. He's Danish. I don't I feel like I was obsessed with some Hans Christian Andersen when I was a kid, and I'm not really sure what that was about. But we can uh, skip over <laughs> that, that. That's fine. Um, I'm trying to go through a quick look at his books and see if there's one that has the word his at the beginning. And I don't... Oh, Hans Christian Andersen? Yeah, because the book they've got on the shelf looks like the first word of the title is the word his, but it could be the, since a lot of his books are with the. Yeah. Oh, the princess and the pea. Nice. Anyways. Snow Queen, Steadfast Tim Soldier, Daughter of the Forest, Steadfast, the Wild Swans. All right, I don't want to, I don't want to bog us down too much. That's we're already pretty bogged here, but um, very cool. Oh, whatever. We're yeah. we're. we're we're basically trying to review a movie in a music podcast. With like an iconic legend just shoved in the middle. Yes. The last the last bit of that little shot, if I can just wrap us up, is her scrapbook. And in the scrapbook, she has a picture of Disney's Robin Hood, the fox. Um, which mm. would... Because all of this is supposed to be about symbolism for the movie to come. I guess he's supposed to be Sir Didymus. Oh my god, I would have never put that together. That's my guess. Yeah, it's funny. There are parts in the movies where they were trying to do that, like, you know, one sentence that gives you your your Disney wisdom for, like, I'm not that it's Disney, but you know how they're like, oh, we'll just try yeah. and add in this sentence to make it, like, this scene matters. There were yeah. a couple of those, and it's like, whoa, this is not really coming together. I was also really sad to learn that Jim Henson, after this movie, his career took like a dive and he was um, quite down about it for many years. It would be difficult because this would have been the most complicated thing that they'd done to that point. This was yeah. a follow-up to Dark Crystal, which I've not seen. I own it, but I don't. I haven't seen it. No, I've definitely not seen it. But I could see that. I mean, what a wild thing to do. It's kind of, uh, I mean, it's out there. Like a sci-fi fantasy puppet Bowie film. Yeah. It's a niche audience when you look at it from a, you know, coming next month kind of sure. way and not 35 years ago, this like, like crazy movie came out featuring David Bowie, who is now beyond legend status. And, and Jim Henson, who is also now beyond legend status because he died so young. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, but also, like from kind of what I understand of reading about Bowie, he was acting famous before he was famous. So I don't know at what point in his career he was in this, but mm. he only got more and more famous. So if you've got, I mean, I can see why this was like maybe weird when it came out, but then more and more people realized this guy was like the fucking guy and then would maybe mm -hmm. go back to watch it. But um, yeah, it's quite a weird thing to put together with puppets and Bowie and Jennifer Connelly in a vest <laughs> and the odd song, but not a musical. A 14 year old Jennifer Connelly, basically she's the star of the movie and her co-star is a puppet named Hoggle that had was like six people. It was like a little person, a woman inside the costume, and then like five puppeteers. Yeah, Sherry Weiser. She was in the bodysuit. And then but wasn't Hoggle the voice was voiced by Jim Henson? Jim Henson's son, Brian. Oh. But there was like five puppeteers working Hoggle's face, including the the woman in the in the costume, so and that's Most the other complicated thing. Puppet they done at the time. It would have cost a bomb to make. It cost what, twenty-five million? I think it cost twenty-five million, and they made twelve um, in in the U.S. But that's like back in the day for a puppet kids movie. That seems I don't know. I have no idea what it cost to make a movie. Twenty-five million dollar budget, and they took in U.S. only box offices on Wikipedia was twelve point nine. Okay. So. That's a hit. I think even today, though, quite most movies make most of their money overseas, which is why most like production companies and movies are so like geared towards being acceptable to be shown in China. Right. Also, with streaming services being available everywhere, they try 100%. to open that up. But it was—it's just—it's a very interesting snapshot of a different time. <laughs> I do enjoy. Here's a fun fact. I got a couple of fun facts. Here's my first one. This, the music and lyrics of this were written by either David Bowie or a man named Trevor Jones. And as we mentioned, David Bowie's real name was David Jones. Um, and so when you look at the writers of the songs, it's like Bowie Jones, Bowie Jones, Bowie Jones. It's like, I thought that was a fun fact. Mm -hmm. It's his real name. It doesn't play as well now that I've said it aloud as it did in my head. <laughs> also, I think he changed his name from David Jones because the monkeys was Davy Jones. Yes. Yeah. Davy Jones. That's a, that's definitely why. Here's a better fun fact. <laughs> the stepmom. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna throw this one in faster. Okay. Because that one bombs so hard. The stepmom <laughs> in this movie was played by the same woman who is. Barb from Trailer Park Boys. Oh my god, I've never seen Trailer Park Boys. Oh my god, that's I'm, I'm 0 for 2. Someone oh out god, there is I'm like, so what? I, you know what? She looks super hey, familiar Barb. to me, though. Super, she did. And I was like, who is this woman? And then I let it go. <laughs> Sorry, my god, I'm a terrible audience. It's okay. What's her name? Uh, I'm finding out. Shelly Thompson? Uh, Shelly, yeah, Shelly Thompson. Barb. <laughs> God, yeah, I scary. wanted so badly not to like Trailer Park Boys, and God help me, I did. So if you're out there and you like Trailer Park Boys, there's a fun fact for you. Join our podcast, Laugh at My Jokes, because <laughs> they fall flat with Angie. I'm sorry. <laughs> she looked familiar. Like, I've definitely seen eight to ten minutes of the Trailer Park Boys. I just love the fact, I just love the way East Coast Canadians say the word barb. Barb. Because they say it, burb. Yeah. Same with the valley, I would say. We had a neighbor that was burb. Burb and tam. Burb and tam. Burb. <laughs> it made me also, this movie made me think about Jennifer Connelly. Man, I can't. She's great and I can't name any other thing that she's been in. <laughs> Is that just me? I was like, oh my God, Jennifer Connelly. Why do I know her name immediately and cannot think of a movie? I think she was in Beautiful Mind. I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing either. I'm I'm having a peek. Requiem for a Dream. That's oh. a tough watch. Yeah, it's a good Beautiful one. Beautiful Mind. You totally called that. Nailed Nail it. it. 
Blood Diamond. Oh, sure. Blood Diamond. I, I loved it. I loved it. hated it. Nine? Remember Nine? No, I don't remember Nine. That animated movie where it was like the little puppet guys? No. Oh my god. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Anyway, she was the voice of number seven. I'm sorry. Did they remake Top Gun? Are they remaking Top Gun right now? 2022 Top Gun? I guess fuck so. Fuck the fuck right the fuck off. I just made my partner watch it because he told me he'd never seen it. Because I watched the Val Kilmer documentary and became obsessed with Val Kilmer, and I really have not seen Val Kilmer, Kilmer in anything except for Top Gun. And my partner was like, I've never seen it. I was like, shut up. Get ready <laughs> for some 80s magic with the same song <laughs> over and over again. And Tom Cruise. Here's where I know Jennifer Connelly from. Okay. Uh, haven't watched this movie in a long time, but I love it, love it, and I probably wouldn't love it as much if I watched it again, which is part of the reason why I haven't. 1991's The Rocketeer. Oh, okay. No, I definitely haven't seen that. Everything's fallen flat today. I thought you'd I'm be like, sorry, "Oh I'm my down. god." <laughs> oh, the. It's okay. You were like, "Haven't you seen The Phantom of the Opera?" And I was like, "No." Oh. <laughs> too busy watching the rocketeer and trailer park boys i don't have time for all this sound of music and phantom of the opera culture. i'm sure i have seen the rocketeer uh it looks familiar i just have no um oh alan arkin's in it uh no idea anyways my god what are we doing bowie david bowie there's so much to say about david bowie let's not yes okay and hit me with that trivia well i don't know okay so i just didn't know anything about bowie and i wasn't a big fan to be honest to be totally honest, I didn't grow up with it. I think Space Oddity is a really weird song. I mean, I know it's a classic, <laughs> but it's also weird and it freaks me out a little. But I did not realize that it was released at the basically exact same time that they were sending people to the moon, 1969. Mm -hmm. I also found it very interesting that David Bowie kept changing his persona to try and find success, which I find really interesting, which is like if I ever got famous would be the opposite. I would just stick to me and make people love me. But he was like, I'm gonna do this and this didn't work. Oh, I'm gonna be able, like a folk singer and this didn't work. Oh, I'm gonna do that. Okay, now I'm gonna do Ziggy Stardust. And apparently that, mm -hmm. I mean, later on there's theories that there were, that was some of the issues he struggled with because he had different personas and he wasn't really mm -hmm. sure who he was and what he was doing. But he was struggling to get noticed internationally. So in order to get noticed, he wore a dress on the cover of Man Who Sold the World which is covered by Nirvana, who I hate, but you love. And that is great. But man, David <laughs> Bowie's version is much better. Anyways. I disagree. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not one much for covers, but I have listened to both. I don't much care for Bowie's. That's an argument for a different day. It's hard because I just don't love Nirvana. I know. People are going to egg my Lots door. Lots people don't. Lots of people don't. I won't make you listen to the 30th anniversary of Nevermind that just came out that oh, has like five we were new gonna live do it. albums. I assumed we were going to do it at some point. I'm down for it. Here's the thing about this podcast. Like, my week has been deep diving Bowie so much to the point that I became a fan. I spent yesterday okay. working, listening to David Bowie records for hours. I mean, <laughs> yes, I skip a lot of it because a lot of it is fucking 80s too much for me but a lot of great hits that i recognized really got into it i always appreciate someone more when i know their backstory when i know that they were like this crazy sexual opportunist who was <laughs> trying to flaunt being gay when he may not have really been gay because he thought it would sell records but he kind of was like what a kooky thing to do <laughs> I'm gonna wear a dress to get attention. And then, I don't know, it was very interesting. My tagline originally was gonna be the least interesting thing about David Bowie is his music. Mm. But then I, I, I got more into it, I got more into it. And I also, and when I was listening to a podcast, people, I was listening to the podcast um, by the guy who does uh, Jake Brennan, Disgraceland. If you don't listen okay. to Disgraceland, please do. It's all about crazy stories about musicians and it's wonderful. But he was saying it's so hard for people of our generation and beyond to not appreciate. It is hard for us to appreciate David Bowie because 
he's just always been there. We can be in an elevator and it comes on and we're like, oh, fucking Christ, golden years. You know, like, shut up. <laughs> um, but at the time, he was doing something really different. And they, in the podcast, they compared him to the Beatles. Like, he was doing something that had never been done. It was blowing up. He was bringing in like a weird type of soul music, similar to what the Rolling Stones do, where they're kind of um, doing a fusion black soul music with something that they're doing. And anyways, it's very different. So I, you know, it really made me take pause and try and respect Bowie for who he was, because for me, he's can have, can be elevator music. So there was a lot of appreciation Really fun to read about him and Angie Bowie, who I always thought the Rolling Stones Angie song was written about and discovered they deny that completely. So need to learn more about that because that's my my song. <laughs> yeah, Bowie was really interested in science fiction and aliens and mythology and the occult, androgyny, being bisexual, kind of everything that was alternative. It was a really stick it to the man mindset. Apparently, for him to come out as gay was his wife's idea, which is pretty great. <laughs> hey, you know what we sell <laughs> records? Just say you're into penis. Just put on some beggings and get out there. Start, I mean, just start hanging it. Obviously, he definitely followed through. I read some crazy things about crazy things. Please tell me you watched the David Bowie Mick Jagger dancing in the street music video. I have seen it. Okay. I did not watch it specifically. I was like, if this falls flat, I'm not even sure where we're going to go. Apparently that scene in Velvet Goldmine when Kurt Wilde and Brian Slade are discovered by Angie Bowie cuddling after intercourse, it was based on Bowie and Jagger when they were found uh, cuddling. And I was like, fuck, I was just born in the wrong time. What a time to be alive. You'd be a good rock star's wife, walking in on your partner, like, in bed with another dude, like, another famous man, you'd be like, huh, well, did you have a good time? <laughs> that was a good career move, maybe, and we're just living our lives, and, yeah, and they're nailing an open marriage, sort of, and I just, God, holy fuck, was You boys time. must be hungry. I brought snacks. <laughs> I hope I was a Minnesota rock star wife. <laughs> So like I said earlier, he put on these personas, but part of those personas were to act like he was uh, really famous when he wasn't, which actually made him go broke. So before he was really famous, he was just acting like he was spending crazy amounts of money, um, really putting it on. He was what we would call faking it till you make it. That's our culture now. Oh God, it's pretty sad. Um, he was once addressed for, he was once, Addressed. That's addressed and arrested, which doesn't even make sense. Uh, he had a drug arrest, and I was like, ooh, exciting. Anyways, the drug arrest was for pot, and then it wasn't exciting. But it was him and Iggy Pop who got oh, stuck with it. Oh, 1960s of them. Was it in the 60s or was it in the 70s? 70s. Busted for pot. The Disgraceland guy says, basically, the Young Americans, the album Young Americans is on. Maybe it's called Young Americans. You can literally thank Cocaine for this album. <laughs> that was great. And he said, you know, when you're in a party and you're talking to someone on Coke and they're like coming up with all these great ideas, but you're sober and you know these ideas are fucking stupid. They're like, he was like, yeah, but Bowie's weren't. And he followed through and he fucking nailed it. <laughs> and that's the particular sound, uh, Young Americans, that was, he worked with Luther Vandross on it. He called it a plastic kind of soul. So that was really where they saw that fusion of music that hadn't really been done before that we 100% yep. take for granted. I'm just rambling. You just jump in. I'm just, I'm out of this breath. I'm out All of right. breath. He was the first white musician to be on Soul Train. Nice. In 1975. He did so much Stuck cocaine that he lived for a very long time on a diet of milk, jalapeno peppers, cocaine, and cigarettes. Which sounds wild. <laughs> oh, the poops must have been interesting. Oh my god. At like your what Sorry. what is your body doing at that point? <laughs> I will be back in a while. <laughs> Just disaster. I've never done coke, but it seems like the kind of thing that makes you crazy constipated. Um uh, 
think it's the opposite at the beginning. I can't remember. Well, let's cut that out. Sounds like I'm doing both all the time. I was like, <laughs> you look like you're about to answer me from personal experience. <laughs> I mean, you can leave it Cocaine can, can also cause abdominal pain, bowel issues, decay, and opioid use can cause abdominal pain, acid reflux, and severe constipation in bold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, isn't that the part in... Oh, no, that's heroin. The part in train spotting where he puts the, the nuggets up his bum and then he's like also when you're coming off junk like you're really constipated and when you're coming off it you're not and then he runs to the anyways i've certainly never done enough drugs to like document the side effects but i've certainly heard of it in my life i'm just took a dish off i'm dead <laughs> not this music, so. apparently coke makes you constipated because it constricts the blood vessels and disrupts the blood flow of blood to the body and this can lead to stomach pain, reduced appetite, nausea, vomiting, and constipation. Party. Well, I guess I just had a good feeling about it. <laughs> I would love to spend more time reading some of the like memoirs and biopics that came out at this time because every big rock star intercepted with Bowie, The Stones, the guy from Deep Purple, I can't remember his name, Iggy Pop. Jason Bora. No. <laughs> <laughs> You can edit that out. Um, wow. <laughs> Don't worry, I can't even come up with names. I'm just acting them out. Richie Blackmore. Oh, that's also not who I'm thinking of. Hold on. Ian Gillian. Glenn Hughes. David Cloverdale. I'm running out of... Running Glenn Hughes, Glenn Hughes, Glenn Hughes. Okay. I still find it really fascinating when there's a very, very famous rock band and they say what the lead singer's name is and I have never heard of it. <laughs> it happened the other day with someone I was like, oh yeah, Leonard Skinner. And then I was like, that's the fucking lead singer's name. I have never heard that name in the history of the world. Probably because everyone thought his name was Leonard Skinner. <laughs> no, Leonard Skinner, the band was named after their high school gym teacher, Leonard Skinner. Well, I did never Sorry. heard of the lead singer's name. Rest in peace, Ronnie Van Zandt. I enjoyed that. The thing I liked about Leonard Skinner the most by the time I got around to like being old enough to be aware of how musicians lived and died and blah, 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 was basically the band in terms of original members is just the guitar player, Gary Rossington. So I was like, shouldn't this band just be called Gary Rossington and Friends at this point? Like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> just Gary and Friends. Anyways, I would like to read some more up on this era because it's just everyone who's anyone is partying and misbehaving and doing ridiculous things. And it makes us all feel like we didn't live our life properly. And we missed out our some drug addictions and some sex addictions. And we really missed out. Baby boomers really stole all the fun. Yeah, I feel like people read this and they're like, oh my God, this sounds terrible. And I'm like, sweet baby Jesus. This sounds like such a good time. <laughs> but I did. I exactly. listened to a lot of Bowie and I have a huge appreciation. And I watched his last video right before he died of uh, liver cancer in 2016. Because I remember watching it when he died and it's so eerie and it's creepy. And he basically looks dead in the movie or the video. But he's obviously just a crazy, crazy talented legend. Him and Jim Henson, but two incredibly talented artists put together a hell of a product that wasn't appreciated in its time, but what good art is. Really? What happened to Jim Henson again? He had it. I forget what it was. Hang on. Every once in a while, I go down like a Jim Henson rabbit hole and I like watch his funeral again and cry. He died from pneumonia? He had a different, like, he had some kind of, like, ongoing issue that wasn't really treated for. Organ dysfunction resulted from streptococcal toxic shock syndrome, which is what you get from tampons, which is weird. Caused by streptococcus pyogenes. Of course, this seems very weird. Someone we haven't mentioned that was involved in the labyrinth, who deserves a little, little bit of credit as a producer, is George Lucas. He's also the head of Industrial Light and Magic. Um, I think the other person that was very involved in this was Brian Froud. The only other, there's there's another person that was very involved. Well, you look up that. Um, it's a woman who was credited as Cheryl Mc uh, Cheryl McFadden, and she was the like director of choreography for Puppeteers. Oh for wow! <laughs> Let me get the actual title. 
because it is impressive. Brian Froud is an English fantasy illustrator and conceptual designer. He is most widely known for his blah, 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 and conceptual designer of the Jim Henson films Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. He is one of the most preeminent visualizers of the world of fairy and folktale. Awesome. So yes, I found I found mine. So Cheryl McFadden, director of choreography and puppet movement, mm. known better as Gates McFadden, who is best known as playing Dr. Beverly Crusher on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh God, another one's gonna fall flat. Yeah. Oh, for three. I will tell you something though. I'm watching a British cop fucking show, and guess who's the bad guy? Lily Allen's dad. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's Mother Teresa. Oh, it's Lily Allen's dad. Oh my god. <laughs> Very times. I've been far too preoccupied watching Travels with My Father, starring Jack and Michael Whitehall. I know. I don't know who any of those people are, and I know you're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who they are, but I've seen trailers for that show so noted it's charming jack whitehall's like a goof he's he's a funny guy but uh michael whitehall's apparently quite famous he's like a, an agent for like a lot of very famous actors mm-hmm. especially in the theater world or at least he was quite a big deal in britain he's quite famous i certainly recognize him but i just yeah but he he's sort of the the staunch british upper crust gentleman he's just to watch the two of them and watch Jack take his stuffy father on all these crazy adventures is, is quite charming. <laughs> but there's all this like nice like emotional stuff where they like talk about their feelings and stuff. It's actually it's well done. It's the, it's not just about oh haha ha, we dragged this like stuffy posh British man <laughs> to like dressed dressed him up as like a clown and made him march in a parade. There's a lot of like them like really opening up to each other cute it's it's really nice and there's not that many episodes because it's a british show so you can burn through all five seasons of it in like a week that's so funny i know the british show that i'm watching right now had three episodes in the first season i was like what the fuck all right <laughs> it takes you longer than that to get to your point i don't have time. i know i was just getting settled in anyways <laughs> none of this 25 episodes a season nonsense no well, we've kind of danced around the labyrinth a little bit, mostly talking about Bowie. Penis. And all my fun facts fell flat. I'm sorry. And I think, I think, uh, and we learned that cocaine makes you constipated. But Angie, do you, do you have any final thoughts? Um, <laughs> labyrinth is weird and it's like interesting and it's not really a musical. Um, and David Bowie does look like an old tired lady in it, but kind of making me I was very appreciative of watching it because I learned a lot about David Bowie and I have a much bigger appreciation for the music because the music in the movie was you know hard meh except for dance magic dance which is also dumb but I'm pretty into it I just appreciate to learn more about Bowie and appreciate him um, for the artist he was so if the if the weird labyrinth gets me there I'm in I thought it was really fun. I mean, the movie, I basically was half having a stroke in the whole time and trying not to look at his junk. But uh, the afterwards, listening to a couple podcasts and a podcast about Angie Bowie and just having like, it just blows my mind when you mention Keith Richards and Iggy Pop and Lou Reed and Dave, like just all those people, all that crazy talent all getting really fucked up but anyways it's it just seems uh i'm glad i have a new appreciation the end stop reveling and see (laughs) amazing i'm sure we could go on for a whole nother hour about it i don't really have a lot of final thoughts that don't aren't really what you said it's kind of a cool package we did not name our podcast oh my god you said package Okay, I'm sorry. Last one. That was the last one. Go. Everybody drinks. Yeah. Um, we did not name our podcast after this movie. Steven came up with Life to Labyrinth just because he liked the way it sounded. Um, <laughs> There's no significance to it. <laughs> which was all well and good until we realized that we'd have to learn how to spell the word labyrinth. And to this day, I'm still not 100% sure where the Y goes. But we got there. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> I like the movie. It's a classic. The songs make no sense. 
but they're not terribly memorable, other than your eyes can be so cruel. It's not a musical. It's a fun movie, and we did it because it's our anniversary of the podcast, and because it's called Labyrinth, and our podcast is called Labyrinth. Well, I thought it had something to do with the actual name, so I've been deceived. We tried to, like, come up with this idea at the beginning of, like, it it gives us the ability to take the podcast wherever we want, because the movie The Labyrinth, like, she goes underground, and then there's the hands, and then the the bog of a turtle stench, which is where we listen to Ariana Grande, and that fell flat, too. What? I did, I'm, I'm sorry. I was reading about some, something I wanted to say really quickly. I said I'm, we can go there, the, in the labyrinth. You can go anywhere. Like in the movie, she goes underground, and I don't understand the, the Ariana Grande reference. And then there's the bog of eternal stench, which is where we listen to Ariana Grande. Okay, I get it. Okay, okay, I'm listening. Yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> ag- agreed. That would be it. <laughs> Slip the landing. I got um, <laughs> it. I just really quickly want to say that Brian Froud, who we talked about, who was the conceptual designer, his son was the fucking baby in the movie. That's cool, though, eh? And he's like a puppeteer and stuff yes, now. Yes, he's the quite Toby. famous. Very I know, cool. all these puppeteers. Sorry. It's a big family, man. I'm sorry, it's I missed. I was like, you're like zero for five tonight. I'm so sorry. I'm not on my game. <laughs> Maybe, maybe someone listening is getting a laugh. Maybe even at my expense. No, Bryn, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing <laughs> because of you. <laughs> or just at you. Yeah. If you want to watch a better movie that features a member of David Bowie's family, watch Moon, which was directed by Duncan Jones, his son, which has a very interesting soundtrack as well. Fascinating. So that would be my watch this. But if you want to watch a much better movie with more interesting music, watch Moon. And he raised his son like Angie Bowie was not in the picture. Just so much more to read. I hope there's... I'm lots to go on david bowie seems like yeah he like really lived it up and wasn't a particularly good or kind or loving person back when his career was like in the height of the 70s but then he like really settled into like this sort of quiet life where he you know he was just sort of charming and funny and that's the thing that really stuck with me about watching and learning about david bowie and why i was so sad when he died is that when you saw him live or you saw him like talk to people or you know you see pictures of him with his family or with his widow iman like he just seemed like this wonderful person to be around it's like you know he's one of the most famous people in the world but he seemed like he seemed like the kind of person that was really approachable and just funny and in it's like a self-deprecating way which is really refreshing for someone who's that well known for being like good looking and fashionable and exciting and cool like he was just the coolest person he was a, like this weird, cool sex god, like incredibly interesting, cool person. But he had this like hilarious, self-deprecating humor. Interesting. That's that's the British the Britishness of him. I guess so. Yeah, I saw an interview with him once where they were talking about like when Nirvana covered his out his song "Man Who Sold the World," and people thought that he had covered their song. Oh, He's gosh. like, "Yes, I'm covering Nirvana. I'm cutting edge." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he just seemed like a charming person, and I understand why history has chosen to forget the crap he did in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with playing along with that. I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. But he's not at the point of like, it was a weird time in rock music where like parents would like sign away custody of their children to these like 20 some year old people that have custody of their like 14 year old daughter. Anyway, Labyrinth. Okay, so for next week. Uh, I would like to do Big Shiny Tunes 2 and 3. Yeah. And it's not a ton. I know you were like, oh, God, we have to listen to albums over and over again. But you don't need to listen to these albums over and over again. You know all of these songs off by heart. Probably. Where do I find them? I don't think they're on. Are they on Spotify? Yeah. Their playlist? Yeah, people have made them. Okay, cool. I think so. But anyways, you can do the, you can check the list. I was listening to 1 and 2. Someone made a 1 and 2 together, but Worst yeah. case scenario, we could make our own playlist and just share it. Exactly. With each other. Yeah, okay. But it was just an interesting phenomenon, and I kind of can't wait to talk about it because it was the anniversary, and it was just something different. Yeah, that's way different than the Stones, but definitely not the 70s, and a lot. Of, it sounds like a lot of fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, We've been talking uh, about doing big, shiny tunes forever. Yes. So two and three, because I think that was most relevant for us in our heyday. Big, shiny tunes, two and three coming up in our next episode. Look at us making plans. And we may have a new co-host coming on to at least put her toe in the water, friend of Angie's, who I don't know. So not only do we get to listen to new music, we get to meet new people. That's Hooray. right. That's right. We're being social. Angie's growing a new person. Congratulations again. It's fun yeah. that you finally announced it. <laughs> Good time. And it's not just like, how's it going? I know. I'm just being weird about it. 
Also, I don't care when people have kids, so I don't know why people care when I have a baby. I, like, I don't, I, it, I find it very hard to care. Anyways, about other, anyways, I'm just cut all these out. Um, yes. <laughs> Looking forward to next Looking forward week. to those volunteer hours where you get to, like, meet other people's kids, are you? Can't wait. <laughs> well, enjoy continuing to grow your parasite with a penis. As we bid farewell to David Bowie's for a while. Thank you for taking me to Bowie Bible. Bowie Bible Camp. Bowie Bible Camp. All right. We're crushing it. Did we get any laughs in this episode? I don't know. Oh my God, let's just end it. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> and scene. Goodbye. Thanks for Bye. listening. Bye. What happened? Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth. <laughs>